Good morning. Some of you might be very surprised when I tell you about a sport that I was involved in in high school. In high school and in middle school, I absolutely loved this sport, and I, I put in incredible amounts of time and energy into it. This sport that I loved so much is the sport of wrestling. Right? Some of you might be, hear me and see that and go, really? This guy? I was having a conversation with a friend back in college, and I told him that I was in wrestling when I was in high school, and he just didn't believe me. He just said, you're lying. And I said, well, why do you think that? And he said, well, you look too proper. I don't really know what that means, but I'm going to choose to take it as a compliment. But just as that friend was confused, and some of you might say, really, this guy? Yes, I, I loved the sport of wrestling, and I participated, and I got pretty good at it. To the point that when I was a junior in, in high school, I was even the captain of the wrestling team at my high school. And if you would have looked at me when I first walked into a wrestling gym back in, back in seventh grade, you would have been even less confident than you are right now that I was going to become a wrestler. In the middle of, of puberty and my body changing, my, my arms were these, these really long and, and skinny and I had no muscle. My legs were really long and, and awkward and I could barely hold myself up. I was not prepared to do this, to, to, to do this task that I had given myself. I did not have the, the natural advantages. I wasn't kind of shorter and stocky and a little bit stronger, which is what you need as a wrestler. I was, I was out of my element. And, in, and if I wanted to get good, it would have had to be, it would not have come naturally. Have you ever felt like that before? Have you ever been in a situation or been given a task in life and you said, I'm not naturally able or fit to accomplish this task? Maybe that person is. Maybe that person can do this, but me, how could I do that? Making it personal for those of us who are Christians, do you ever feel like it's an impossible task to grow closer to God? Do you ever struggle with that? Do you, do you at different times feel like you're not naturally talented? Or naturally gifted with the abilities to grow closer to God? You know, that guy... Maybe him. He's, he's holy. He reads the Bible all the time. He knows Bible verses. Me? No. I struggle to pray sometimes. I'm tired in the morning, and it's hard to get up early and do my quiet time or read the Bible. It's a struggle. I want us to take those feelings that we may be having right now, because I think we're all having the same feeling, whether or not we want to say it or admit it, is that it's hard to grow, do, do this wild thing called grow closer to God. Imagine that. That's just, just think about the idea of growing closer to God. How could we do that? What even is that? I think that there's a passage in scripture that answers this question. And this passage of scripture is, is in the book of Philippians. So if you have your Bibles, turn in them or turn them on and, and flip to the book of Philippians chapter 2. And I'm going to make the suggestion that the truth that this passage tells us is that if we are not working out, then God is not growing in. 
Let me repeat that. If we are not working out, God is not growing in. Let's talk about that. Are you in Philippians yet? There you go. Are you in Philippians yet? Okay, great. We're awake now. This is great. We're only going to be covering two verses today. It's going to be an easy morning. It's going to be a great morning. But before we get to these two verses, we, we're jumping into the middle of a chapter. We need to provide some context for it. And so before chapter 12 in verses 1 through 11, Paul has been constructing a, an, ar an argument, a suggestion, a command for the Philippian believers. The Philippian believers are in a city called Philippi, which is in modern-day Greece. And Paul has been trying to tell them all these different things in this letter. And the first, in verses 1 through 11, the key theme is humility. Remember that. It's going to become important later. Humility. It talks about considering the needs of others above the needs of yourself. And it gives an example. It says that Jesus is our best example to understand what that means. Because Jesus, though was equal with God... Do not consider this equality with God something to be grasped, but it says that he lowered himself. It says that he humbled himself, even to death, even to death on a cross. Remember that word humility, because this is the best example and the best thing that we can bring into these two verses. We're going to start at verse 12. Which says this, it says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. There's a lot to unpack there. So let's take it piece by piece. Again, we've already said that Paul is... Uh, writing this letter to these people in a city called Philippi, these Christian people, these people that are in church, in community, together. And something that's refreshing about the book of Philippians is that there was actually a lot in the book of Philippians that Paul writes about that they were doing well. They were doing a pretty decent job. Yes, they had things they needed to grow, and yes, they had things they needed to improve on, and Paul talks about that. But here we see something they were doing well. You know, in some of the other books in the New Testament, some of the other letters, there's a lot that people did wrong. There's a lot of imperfection in humans. You know that? But in this book, is that me? Am I good? All right, I'll try to be careful. I'll do this. This will help. <laughs> but in the book of Philippians, there's a lot that Paul is saying that the Philippians are doing right. And this, even this, this passage, it says, in verse, it says in verse 12, it says, as you have always obeyed, not only in Paul's presence, but in Paul's absence. He said there's a command that we'll talk about in a minute that you have been doing a really good job at of following. You did it when I was first there, and now you're doing it. I've heard that you're doing it in my absence. Continue doing this command. Keep on. Paul wasn't there. To see it. Paul was writing from prison. He had been told that the Philippians were doing it well. What were the Philippians doing well? The end of verse 12 says, work out 
your own salvation with fear and trembling. Some of you hearing that might naturally just kind of get a little bit like tense. You go, uh, is that what it means? And we might do that because we've been told, if you've, if you've spent time or grown up in a church, you've been told that you cannot earn your salvation. You've been told that earning your salvation is not something that humans can do, necessarily. And so you're hearing this verse and you're saying, is that what he's saying? Is, is, is the Bible contradicting itself? Well, if you look in other parts of Scripture, and this is what I would affirm, is that the Bible says that we are saved by grace through faith, not as a result of our own works. The Bible is very clear in saying that any sort of salvation that we can have is not something that we can give to ourselves. It's not something that we can earn on our own. It is a gift that God gives to us. And all we can do is accept this gift. Well, then you might be saying, why does it say, work out your own salvation? Allow me to make a distinction here. There's a difference between working to your salvation and working out of your salvation. Did you catch that? There's a difference between working to your salvation and working out from your salvation. If I'm working to my salvation, I need to go to a place. I need to go somewhere. I need to walk. I need to move. I need to get to that place by my own energy. If I'm working out from my salvation, then my salvation's already happened. And that's already there, and that's from God, and that's nothing that I can do. But working out from is a, is a growing or a building up. Growing out is the literal word there was used in ancient times in the context of building up a house on a foundation that's already been laid. That's what it means to work out of something. It means there's something there that was already there. And it means that there is a way that you can that you have to build something up from the, something that's already been put there. I would like to say it this way, is that there is a foundation that we've been given as Christians. That's our salvation. That's been laid, that's from God, that is not by our power, that's not by our earning, that is a gift from God because of the, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the foundation. But the building up of the actual house, the putting up the walls, the fitting the door, designing the house, setting up the kitchen and the living room and, and, and finding out where the windows are going to be and knowing the layout of the house, that is the working out of salvation. That is the our task. That is our but not just a task, but it's something we have to be cautious with because it says in verse 12 that we are to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Think about that for a moment. Think about that. That's hard for us. And I say us, I mean us living in a 21st century United States 
it's hard for us to quantify that. Because when Paul's writing this, he's writing it with a specific context or specific words that were used. And when these original readers would have read these words, there was something they would have gone to. There's something their mind would have gone to. And if they would have thought of going to somebody in fear and trembling, they would have thought of going before an emperor or a king or a lord, or somebody with absolute power that held life and death in their hands. In this context, there was not presidents or legislators. There was emperors and kings. There was emperors and kings, and these emperors and kings, if you even as much as said something that they didn't like, you could be arrested, you could be tortured, you could be killed just because they didn't like what you said. And if you were to approach somebody with that much power, you would be cautious, right? You would be cautious with the words that you say. You would be cautious with the actions that you portray. You would give them due respect. You would give them due honor. Because of fear and trembling. The first step that this passage is telling us is that we need to be working out. I'm not talking about going to the gym, getting a Planet Fitness subscription. Talking about us in our own faith, in our own lives. We need to be building up this house of our faith. We need to be putting up the walls ourselves. We need to be putting on the roof ourselves. We need to be putting in the door ourselves. We're not laying the foundation. That's already there from God because of the gospel. But it is our task to be growing, to be learning, to be developing. And this might be where I lose some people. Because again... Some may not be naturally gifted in, in these sorts of things. Some say, may, may say, I hate reading books. I'm not a reader. I struggle reading the Bible. Some might say, I'm not really a people person. How am I supposed to hang out with Christians? I, I don't really, I, I, I'm okay with people, but I don't like them all that much. It's okay, we all think that. We're not naturally gifted these things. Well, and that's where verse 13 comes into play. But before we get there, I want to talk about this for a moment. I want to talk about, you know, growing. Because when we, when we grow closer to God, our life looks more and more like the life of Jesus is shown in Scripture. Challenge, change, conform to the characteristics of Christ, Right? So when, by growing closer to God, by building this house of, this, what I'm calling house of faith, that is our own faith, then it's supposed to look more and more like, like what Jesus looked like. By reading the Gospels and understanding what Jesus looked like and the ways that he acted with people and us replicating that in our lives. And that is a hard task because that is our lives. That's not just a chunk of our lives. That's our lives. And everything has to be put on the table when it comes to our lives. 
What do you do for entertainment or for rest? Just think about that in your own head. What do you do that, that entertains you, that's fun, that's enjoyable? That's a good way to tell how secure this household of faith is. What do you, even this way, think of this. This is a challenge for all of you guys, extra homework. I said it'd be easy, right? Go the rest of your day, look at what makes you laugh. What makes you laugh? What is funny for you? If you want to know what you are entertained by, what you enjoy, what things bring you enjoyment, look at the jokes that you laugh at. There's been points in my own life where I've laughed at a joke that was not funny. It was funny, but it's not funny. We need to look at all areas of our lives. If you've ever looked for a home, if you've ever been looking for homes, one of the ways that that process can stop when you're looking at a specific home as if you find mold in that home, right? Nothing stops looking for homes more than saying, oh crap, we found some mold. You know, it, and even just a little bit, right? It infects the whole house. And in the same way, guys, just a little bit can infect our whole house of faith, our own individual houses of faith. What's that mold in your life? Where is that mold in your life? Now, if this part sounds tricky, then, you know, verse 13 is going to be a little bit trickier. It's going to be much harder. Because in some ways, it's easy for us to structure what we are supposed to do. I know what I'm supposed to do and I can do that. I can, I can work, and I can try, and I can fail, and I can get better, and I can grow, and I can keep trying to put up these walls, and they can keep falling down, but I'll keep trying to put them up. You know, I can tangibly think, and I can, I can map that out in my mind and structure that and say, here's what I'm supposed to do. The part that's hard to structure is the God part. Read with me in verse 13. after we are to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, says, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Okay. Is that a contradiction? Sure sounds like it. We're supposed to do the work, but God's the one that does the work. But, you know, we're supposed to be doing, putting in the effort, but it says here that God's supposed to do the work. They're literally right next to each other. If Paul was contradicting himself, you'd think he'd put them at different places, or at least. But they're right next to each other. They're almost a cause and effect sequence. One thing has to happen before another thing can happen. And if you look into the rest of Scripture, you're going to find examples of both us 
working for our salvation, and God working for our salvation, growing us, helping us to mature as Christians. So if you came in this morning and asked the question, who is supposed to bring me closer to God? Is it myself or is it God? The answer is yes. And you came in here looking for clarity. It is a literally a cause and effect sequence. Now we might be saying, well, why? Why does God want to grow me? What can I do? What is God's purpose in making me grow? Well, he says that in the rest of verse 13. He gives us two reasons. At the end of verse 13, it says, to will and to work and for his good pleasure. Let's talk about those for a moment. To will and to work. When we put up the, the walls in our, on our house of faith and we get the mold out of our house of faith and God sees us doing that, he continues to strengthen this house. Strengthen your individual house. And the, again, the mystery is that sometimes God will see some effort you put on and say, you know, this is what I'm going to use to help them grow. Sometimes when he sees effort that you put towards working out your salvation, he says, I'm going to hold my hand for a moment. And that's something that I'm not going to pretend to explain to you or something I'm not going to pretend to understand because that is not me to understand. That is not my job. That is not our job. But know this, that the way this verse is set, we must be working out our salvation in order for God to use our efforts to build and to fortify our own individual households of our own faith. And from that comes to will and to work. You want to know why? We grow to, to, to will and to work, to the will of God and to the work of God. There is a task that we have been given as Christians. There is a job that we've been given that goes past just us getting stronger and getting better and getting and growing more and learning more. There's a task beyond just you and me. And it's easy to come in on a Sunday morning and hear the message from the preacher and hear the worship. And it's easy to take that and say, okay, here's something that I like and here's something I kind of didn't like and, oh, this was entertaining and that was boring and his shirt looks really weird. And it's easy to take those little bitty things and maybe even bring them to a life group, you know, Sunday night or whatever else, and, and say, okay, well, what'd you think? Okay, what'd you think? Oh, I kind of like this part. I didn't really like that part. Oh, this, this said something. This really didn't say anything. Or, and you go, okay, and then you go the rest of your day. Then maybe, depending on schedules, come to Wednesday night prayer meeting, where you hear another word, and, you know, some, it might be student ministries or children's ministries or a prayer meeting or elective studies, and you hear more, and you go, okay, this is good, this is interesting, you know, that's good, that's good. Um, but if that's all we do with the information we learn in this building, 
we're missing the point for why we're learning it in the first place. We need to take this information and bring it outside of this building. Bring it outside of our brains. Bring it outside of our life groups, out of our services. And take it into a world that needs to hear Jesus. You want to know why God makes you grow? So that you can take that information that you learn and share the gospel and make disciples of all nations. Your neighbor, your co-worker, a family member. To will and to work. The second part there. The final part of verse 13. Says, for his good pleasure. Like I've said, it's hard. And it's a grueling task. It's a daily task of discipline, of diligence, of intentionality. And every time we choose to say no to sin, every time we take a little, clean a little bit of mold out of our own individual little houses of faith, that we're building up with the power of God. Every time we do that, that gives God pleasure. He is pleased to see that. Every little effort we make, every time you think a thought and you say, I shouldn't think that, God is pleased. Every time you hear a group of people saying things they shouldn't say and you refuse to join in, God is pleased. Every time you share the gospel with somebody, and they accept it or don't, or they say they don't understand, or they say you're crazy, God is pleased. Every time we turn off a movie because it's just not beneficial for us, God is pleased. It gives God pleasure. And now, something I also want to say right now is... There's a difference, I want to be very particular here, there's a difference between God's love and God's pleasure in us. They're intertwined, but they're different. God's love will remain constant. You can never lose the love of God. When you are saved from your sins and you believe in Jesus and have repented of those sins and trusted in Jesus to forgive you of those sins, then you have a constant love from God. God's pleasure in us that can rise and fall. There can be seasons in life where we have more of God's pleasure, when we're being more diligent in, our, in building up this house. There can be difficult seasons where we have less pleasure. Just like think of being a parent. You would love your children, and that would not go away. But there's some moments where it's difficult, or there's moments where you're frustrated with your children, when they're not obeying, when they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. And in the same way, God's love will always be constant for us. We will always have a saving love. But God's being pleased in us, well, that depends on how much we desire to grow closer to him and how much of an effort we are going to take to grow closer to him. 
work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Bringing it back to my beginning story, the beginning of this whole talk. I walked into a wrestling gym and I was in over my head. I wasn't equipped. I wasn't prepared. But I went in. And I worked hard. I lifted weights. I learned the rules. I went through the drills. I, I did what I knew that I needed to do to become a better wrestler. And it started to show. But there was only so far that I could bring myself. There was only so much that I could bring. I couldn't bring myself further than I'd ever been. I was imperfect. And I had weaknesses. That is where my coaches came into play. They taught me things that I didn't know. They encouraged me in certain things that I was doing right. They, they told me to avoid doing things that were wrong and that were going to hinder my chances of being a good wrestler. They recorded my, my matches, every single one of my matches, and showed me the things that I did right and showed me the things that I did wrong. They stuck with me in my victories and congratulated me, and they, and they stuck with me in my failures and in my losses, and they showed me how to become better. But they weren't going to do the work unless I put in the effort. Friends, in the same way, we have a task to do, to do. We have a job. Whether we're naturally equipped for it or not. But the best part is, is we're not alone in that task. Is that God is the one that uses our efforts to help our houses grow, our individual houses grow become more and more sturdy. If we are working out, then God is growing in. And it brings him pleasure. And it's for his honor. And it's for his glory forever and ever. Amen.